Hey there, listeners. If you haven't already, download the Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery app. We have a brand new layout, new content. But the reason I bring it up for this podcast is because you could also look at associated images. So when Dr. Levitt and Dr. Frischer talk about an x-ray, if you're in the app, you can look at that x-ray and evaluate it the same time that they're talking to you about it. It's available in the Apple Store. It's in Google Play. Download it. But until then, enjoy the episode. Last week on the colorectal quiz. So the next case is a one-day-old, full-term baby, weighs uh, 3.9 kilograms, and presents with significant abdominal distension and bilious emesis. So I think we've discussed our basic workup and resuscitation, and now we get a plain abdominal x-ray, and this is what we see. Again, if you're in the Stay Current app, look at this x-ray. You might kind of react to it like Todd did. There's definitely, it's not your standard Hirschsprung's picture. Um, so a head scratcher for Todd. Do you think it was for Dr. Levitt too? Interesting. A little bit more complicated than the first case. Yes, yeah, not so obvious. Last week, we walked you through a straightforward Hirschsprung case. And then we ended it with a little bit of a cliffhanger. A presentation that was a little bit more complicated. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Rod Gerardo from Cincinnati Children's. And this is the Colorectal Quiz. So to refresh your memory, it's a one-day-old infant who is four to one weeks gestation, just under four kilograms, and we get consulted because there's significant abdominal distension and of note, some bilious emesis. So like we talked about last week, if you have a patient like this, the first step should always be to resuscitate the child. And this patient's resuscitation will probably look different from the patient from last week who was pretty stable, not having bilious emesis, not actually having any emesis and was otherwise a well child. So never forget that if the kid is sick, you got to take care of the kid first. So I think we've discussed our basic workup and resuscitation. And now we get a plain abdominal x-ray, and this is what we see. So go ahead and scroll down. Under the media player, there should be links to images. Open it up. Interesting. A little bit more complicated than the first case. Yes, yeah, not so obvious. And I definitely see what is probably some small bowel dilation too. Big um, right colon. You can see the transverse colon pretty well. Maybe I'm making out that the left colon looks compressed, looks a, a small lumen, um, and obviously the baby's quite distended. Yeah, and, and I think you could make a, guesses about this, but like you said, it's hard on a newborn film to really discern small and large bowel, and you can get fooled. 
I showed the images to Todd Ponsky at Cincinnati Children's. This is what he thought. Right. So I see that this baby has bilious MSS and a non-classic abdominal x-ray. So this is a child that could have had distal air and then had a volvulus. And so for that reason, I would treat this one more urgently as the other is I would definitely get an upper GI, rule out the dangerous thing, and then get the contrast enema. So did they, so looking at this, it looks like it's not an obvious picture. Did they start with an upper GI or did they go for a contrast enema? So you have to rule out the scary stuff. And that is what Dr. Fisher did. For this child, we did do an upper GI, a limited upper GI, and we had ruled out a malrotation in this child. Should we look at the contrast enema? Yes, let's do that. So again, scroll down, look at the next image there. That should be the contrast enema. Open it up. Yeah, so that, that matches my suspicion about the left colon. Um, now I know it's the left colon. Um, the right colon is very impressive. The transverse colon sort of tapers off and then everything else is a little bit low. This to me looks probably like a transition zone somewhere in the transverse colon. So they were quick to point out that we're lucky this patient didn't show up with a perforation. And usually they perforate in the cecum. And if you think about how you get a perforation is you need distension, obviously. And if you have a transition zone, let's say at the hepatic flexure, then all the pressure is in the right colon. That's especially true if they have a competent ileocecal valve. And the, the baby yeah, that doesn't sure. have a competent ileocecal valve might, it actually saves them potentially that perforation. And if you have a patient like this, Dr. Frischer believes... You, you're obligated at some point, maybe after the resuscitation, to get a rectal biopsy. Oh, for sure. And the other thing you probably can predict, if in fact it turns out to be Hirschsprung's, is that the transition zone is probably somewhere in the hepatic flexure. Because you need it to build up enough pressure in the right colon to have the cecum perforate. You rarely get a perforation in a more standard sigmoid level uh, transition. So, um, if, of course, let's confirm this is Hirschsprung's rectal biopsy shows Hirschsprung's disease. If you want a more in-depth conversation about the suction rectal biopsy. They went into a lot of detail with that in last week's episode. So go check it out. Um, and surgery in this scenario is different, very likely different than in the first scenario as far as what you end up doing for that case. But obviously that's a, that may be for another day. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, so to finish this case, Rectal biopsy, suction rectal biopsy confirms the diagnosis of Hirschsprung's disease, but I think this leads us to the next conversation. These two patients probably will have different operative approaches. Two different operative approaches for the same disease, because one is more proximal and more complicated, and the other is more distal. To hear those operative approaches, you're going to have to wait till next week. But you don't have to wait for another one of Dr. Frischer's jokes. Have you heard about the family that has diarrhea? I've heard about many families that have diarrhea. It runs in their genes, my friend. It runs in their genes. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week, and we'll talk about the operative approach to Hirschsprung's. I love it. All right, thank awesome. you. <laughs> that was a good one. 
if you're listening to this in the Stay Current app, go ahead and leave a comment below. Tell us what's unique about your operative approach for either of these cases. Or maybe you have a question, go ahead and ask it. You can do all of that in the Stay Current app. You could even check out our new channel, the colorectal channel. You can listen to this podcast, watch videos, look at guidelines, anything that you want to know about colorectal at your fingertips on your phone. So until next time, I'm Rod Gerardo from Cincinnati Children's. And remember, knowledge should be free.